I've never really known how to deal with troubled emotions. You know what I mean when I say troubled emotions? Things like shame and fear. Things like envy and jealousy or bitterness and unforgiveness. Whenever those emotions have come into my life, I've usually have tried to do one of a few things. When the emotions come into my life, I let the troubled feelings lead me to turn from God to my preferred delightful sin. So I have my preferred delightful sins. I bet you do too. I'll tell you mine if you first tell me yours. No? All right, I'll tell you mine anyway. Okay. So, so for me, I run to lust. I run to rage. I run to control. And then I run to isolation. Those are the four places that I run to. I run to lust, I run to rage, I run to control, and I run to isolation. When I have a difficult feeling, when the feelings that I'm feeling feel really overwhelming, I'm jealous because that person is farther ahead than I am, I feel shame because I remember a moment where I was exposed and feel terrible about myself. Whenever I experience fear from someone or something that tempts to overwhelm me, I run to my things. I turn from God. What's interesting is that God has given us those emotions not to turn from Him, but to turn to him. In fact, that's today's big idea. That we're going to allow our troubled feelings to lead you to trusting God. Let's say this together. Let your troubled feelings lead you to trust God. Now let's say my let my troubled feelings lead me to trust God. That's what we want to learn. That's what we're going to get to. Now, here's the thing. In, if you're in uh, um, one side of the street, every feeling needs to be expressed to the max. You have to, that's the only way that you could find relief is to express it to the max, you know, beat a pillow, um, uh, act out, yell, scream, that, are, that your troubled feelings will lead you to reacting that way or internally going inward, whatever it is, you know, however it goes. Or maybe you've been in Christian circles for a while and in Christian circles, the thing is to, if it's, a if it's a troubled feeling, anything other than feeling blessed and prosperous, you, you just, you suppress it. Don't act out on it. 
No, no, no. The, the solution, the solution is to have more faith. The solution without ever addressing the feeling that you're feeling. No, don't feel the shame. If you feel the shame, no, 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 no. Focus on something else. Do something else. If you feel the fear, oh, no, 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 no. Fear is not of God. We got language for it. Fear is not of God. You feel, you feel saddened and depressed. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now, here's the thing. We're supposed to rejoice. But that doesn't mean we ignore these troubled feelings that are really, that we're really struggling with. We're going to take an entire series to address these troubled feelings. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with all the feelings that you had that made you use. We're going to be dealing with all the feelings that you had that made you relapse. We're going to deal with all the feelings that you had that you never want to talk about, you certainly don't want to address, and if anybody finds out that you're feeling them, you will feel even more shame. Listen to me. We're going to be dealing with them because you're going to experience them. And it's important that we, when we experience these troubled feelings, that we trust God, recognizing that He's using it to reveal something about Him and something about us. My fear, listen to me, your fear is not just an emotion, it's a language. Your fear is saying something, but we don't want to feel our emotions. In his excellent book, or their excellent book, uh, The Cry of the Soul, Everybody here should read The Cry of the Soul, even though it's kind of like, um, it, it might take a while. It's, it's, it's thick reading. Dan Allender and Tremper Longman say this. One explanation for why we avoid our feelings is that it's painful to feel. To feel hurt hurts. To feel shame shames. To feel any loss only intensifies sorrow. Perhaps a better explanation for why it's difficult to feel our feelings is that all emotion, positive or negative, opens the door to the nature of reality. All of us to pre prefer to avoid pain, but even more, we want to escape reality see our emotions reveal something about us and that thing that they reveal we don't want to know we'd rather live in blissful ignorance 
There's a shame that I feel in my marriage. No, 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 no. If I bring this up, it's going to bring about all sorts of uncomfortable realizations about my marriage that we're not getting along, that this is not growing in intimacy, that there's issues that we need to resolve. No, 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 no. That would be an acknowledgement of reality. No, I'd rather hide it. The way I, I treated my kids, oh, I blew it with them. I, I didn't really support them. I just, you know what? It's just easier to go into the fridge and have another drink. Where I'm at with my career, oh, that makes me feel terrible. So it's just easier for me to jump into someone's bed so that I might feel better about, even for a minute. These troubled emotions wind up leading us away from God and therefore away from any hope for solution. Another quote that uh, comes from the cry of the soul is this. Emotions opened the door to asking hard questions. Does life make sense? Is there any real purpose to my pain? Why must every relationship end? Is God good? If we were to understand ourselves honestly, and more importantly, know God, we must listen to our emotions. So let's pause for a second. What emotions have you been running away from? Is it shame? Sometimes I feel I wear shame like a suit. Everywhere I go, everything I do, I will literally be driving in my car and remember something that I've done that's shameful and I'll throw up my hands like while I'm driving the car. It won't, it'll be involuntary. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And I just want to suppress it. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. What painful emotions no, 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 no. I can't feel that depression. If I feel that depression, it's going to take me. It's going to spiral me out of control. I might realize. Listen, 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 listen. What painful emotions are you trying to escape? Really? They're speaking. God is using your emotions to speak truth to your heart but maybe not the truth that you're hearing. God is using emotions to draw you to himself, but maybe not the way you'd prefer. God is using your emotions to draw you to himself. Now, here's the thing. Every one of us, whether we love Jesus or are not sure about Jesus, or hate Jesus. Every one of us will have to wrestle with these painful emotions. So even if you're not in Christ, this series is for you. 
Next week, we're going to start, and I'm just going to give you this like a, uh, a little spoiler alert. We're going to start talking about shame. What it is. We're going to start talking about what it does. And we're going to talk about how God will use shame to draw you to himself. You don't want to miss that. But how do we deal with these emotions? Let's start by acknowledging that all of us will experience it. And if that's true, and it is, does God have anything to say to us about it? So here's the thing. God knows that every one of us will deal with these kinds of difficult, troubled feelings. And so he gives us his word so that we might move towards him. That anger doesn't have to defeat us. Fear doesn't have to destroy us. Envy and jealousy doesn't have to kill the people around us. Despair doesn't have to have the last word. And abandonment and shame don't have to win the day. But that these troubled feelings can be brought to the one who can be trusted with them. All over the scripture, God helps us to see people who are experiencing troubled feelings. But he gives us, God knows that we're going to struggle with these troubled feelings so much. The biggest book in the Bible is all about addressing our troubled feelings. He doesn't just give us a verse. He doesn't just give us a chapter. He gives us the biggest book in the Bible, and then he puts it smack dab in the middle of the scriptures because he needs us to know that this is the stuff that will help us to get through difficult times. We don't suppress. We don't explode. We don't act like it doesn't exist. And we don't act like feelings is all that exists. There's another way. So this series is called, it's called Modern Problems, Ancient Solutions. How the gospel helps us heal our troubled emotions. That's what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. And I hope, listen to me, if you have to do laundry, I get it. Do it after the service. Do it on Saturday. Do it on Monday night. If you, gotta do comp if you have to go you know, do the compra or go to shopping or whatever it is, you don't want to miss out on this. So with that being said, God is going to speak to us through Psalm 13. David is having a troubled experience. It's not going well for him. And he goes to God not with fake platitudes, but really where he's at. Won't you stand with me as we read God's word together? Here's what God's word says to us who are dealing with troubled emotions. Or at least gives us an example of one who's dealt with troubled emotions. This is for the director of music, a psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to this ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. There are three, three transitions that this psalmist goes through that I want us to recognize or acknowledge or see as helpful for our own lives. Now, in your bulletin, you're going to find a piece of paper. We call it the sermon map. And what it does is it gives you the scripture for today and it gives you the points for today. Um, and you can uh, have uh, you can write down in it uh, little spaces. If you have your sermon map, here's what we tell. Listen, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. So please write it down. You'll be better off for it because you'll want to review it later on for in order for the Lord. Now for the Lord to um, get it deep in your heart. Now, we have pencils in the back. Does anybody need like a golf pencil to write down? Just write, uh, raise your hand, or do you need a bulletin or um, sermon map? Just raise your hand. Okay, great. Oh, there's one uh, on this side as well. Okay. So, during his time of suffering through his emotions, going through the psalmist, Here's the first thing we see him do. He questions the Lord in his confusion. He questions the Lord in his confusion. Some of you might think that that's sacrilegious, but it's right there in the scriptures. It's got... See, here's the thing. When you and I are going through tough emotions, when we're going through tough times, when we're going through any form of suffering, we have two main questions that we ask. The psalmist here only is asking one. But there's two general questions. Why, Lord? And how long, Lord? The psalmist asked that same question four different times in four different ways. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? See, the psalmist doesn't believe that God has, he wouldn't be, all right, let me just say this. The best way to go through your emotional difficulty is to go through it with God. Don't have these questions apart from God. Have them with God. See, Satan likes to build doubt by just giving questions. God likes to build faith by taking your questions to him 
to give answers that are true and good. So what we need more than anything else is not just to ask the question, not just to say the question or to have, but we need to bring it to the Lord. And so what he does, the psalmist does, is he says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Now, do you think for a second that he thinks that God can't remember his name? What he's asking is, God, when he says, will you forget me forever? Are you going to leave me here? Are you not going to act? What, what, what action are you going to take? What thing are you going to do? God, I'm waiting for you. Get my back on this one. How long till you act? And then secondly, he says, how long will you hide your face from me? Now, here's the thing. In the scriptures, when we hear about God hiding his face, we're really talking about God hiding his pleasure, God hiding his affirmation. See, not only is he going through a difficult time, but he's got, it's like, God, you're not here. It's like you've abandoned me. I feel so all alone. He's, he's saying what you and I feel whenever we're in those troubled circumstances. God, are you, for, are you for me? Are you with me? Do you love me? Every time I would go through something difficult in life, whether it was a hard emotion or a difficult circumstance, I always, they, I had this narrative in my mind. It was like a script I used to read from, but it was in my head. And I didn't realize it till much later on in life. But it was like, it was this, you see, God's paying you back for. And then I would think of something that God could be paying me back for. You see, it always starts this way. You see, in other words, acknowledge the truth. You see, God is giving you back what you deserve. If you wouldn't have done this, this wouldn't happen. And it could be things that are so, so separated. Like I lied to my mother in 78 and then my car broke down in 92. And it's like, oh, you see, you see, it was crazy, but it was with me. It really was with me and I really believed it. But here's the thing. I didn't even acknowledge it. I would, I, I, would, I didn't know that I was saying, how long will you hide your face from me? I thought God was just trying to pay me back not recognizing that any payment that I deserved to get back, God had given to his son Jesus on the cross so that I don't have to experience the consequences, the eternal consequences of my sin, but Jesus paid them for me. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? The psalmist here is talking about not external anguish, internal anguish. You know what that means, right? Right? It's not so much, oh, the doctor goes, hey, you're going to have to come in. We're going to have to talk about some of the findings 
we had. And then you go in your mind like, oh my, oh my. Like the rest of the week, if, you, if, the, if the appointment is two days from now, you spend 48 hours in your head. You are wrestling with your thoughts. How long must I deal with this mental anguish, this emotional pain? And then he says, how long? Um, and day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? You see, the psalmist comes to God. He questions the Lord in his confusion. But it's to the Lord that he goes with his questions. It's to the Lord. It's not just pondering them on your own. It's not just sharing them with the group. And it's good. Ponder, share. But bring them to the Lord. That it's with the Lord that we deal with these crises. It's with the Lord. He's the one who could make sense of it all. He's the one who could address our shame at its root. He's the one who could deal with our fear at the very core of it. He's the one who can address our anxiety for what it really is. He's the one. So the psalmist doesn't just absorb all of this anguish, the psalmist goes to the Lord with his questions. Secondly, he not only takes his questions to the Lord, he looks to the Lord in his lament. So he's going to, listen to what he does here. Look on me. Just, it's this rapid fire list of requests, which I think are beautiful. Look on me. And answer me, Lord my God. In other words, would you acknowledge that I'm here? Would you let me know that you know that I'm here? I was talking to someone. In fact, this was just yesterday. I was talking to someone on the phone. And they have been in a dark place. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place. And then, I don't know if you, have you has this ever happened to you? Where you're in a very dark place. And then the Lord gives you like a kiss on the lips. Doesn't solve all your problems, but it's like a reminder. Oh, I'm with you. I'm for you. And I, that's happened to me. I love that. I, we got one testimony there. Yeah, yeah, we got two. Right where, where it's like everything has been so bad. But and then the Lord, he just encourages you, reminds you that he's with you. He goes, look on me, answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. He's going to God and he's saying, God, you got to do something. You got to give me some hope. You got to give me some way to get through this difficult time or else other people are going to mock what I've been saying all along, that you're good and that you're with and that you're for me. He says, God, open my eyes to see you. Open my heart to see you. He goes to the Lord with his lament and he asks for what he needs. 
When we go through our difficult emotions, not only do we have our, bring our questions to God that are, feel impossible to answer, but we also bring our requests. We bring our questions, we bring our requests. Why? Because that is the process where we let our troubled feelings lead us to trusting God. This is how it looks. And then he praised the Lord in his pain. Now this is important. I want to make this like really clear. Before we go into the next section, let me just read it for you very briefly. But I trust you in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Now listen. How do you go from how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? But I trust in your unfailing love. Now, here's the thing. It's written down. So you and I think that when we read that, that, oh, the next sentence means like the next second. I don't know how long it took David to get from how long to but I trust. I don't know how long that took. Did that take years? Did that take weeks, months, minutes? I don't know. But I know that there's a time there and that you would be good You'd be doing good to yourself if you just gave yourself time to go through this process without a stopwatch, without insisting that you're all better before the end of the day. He goes to, Lord, to the Lord and he praises the Lord in the midst of his pain. Now, think about this. Some of us, some of our emotional struggle we'll have to struggle with for the rest of our lives, whether it's our depression, whether it's our anxiety, whether it's our shame, whether it's our fear. Some of us will have to struggle with that for the rest of our lives. And in the midst of it, he says, I trust you. I trust in your unfailing love. Ha, no. We have something that he did not have. The psalmist could look forward to the salvation of God. My heart rejoices in your salvation. He could look forward to it. You and I, we look back to it. We see what is God willing to do? What is, not, what is God not willing to do in order to remind us that he's with us and that he's for us because he loves us. What is God not willing to? Let me tell you what he did. God literally went, came from heaven above to the earth below to live the life that you should have lived, but you did not. And die the death that you deserve to die, but you don't have to die that death of punishment because he took the punishment on himself. It's this Lord who would not leave nor forsake you and who loves you, not at the risk of his life so that enemies will gloat over him. Think about this. David says, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. But it was Jesus whose enemies gloated over him and who said that they overcame him. 
Jesus, the perfect one. He allowed his enemies to feel the victory that day so that you and I could walk in victory all our lives. Beloved, it's the gospel. The gospel is the reason that you and I get permission to go to God with our troubled feelings, knowing that we can trust him because he's trustworthy in all that he's done. Now, what would it be like if the next time you felt depressed, envious, jealous, what would it be like if the next time you felt anger or shame or anxiety, what would it be like if you, instead of condemned yourself for it, became curious about it? Like when the shame comes in, go, God, there's something you're revealing to me. I don't know what it is. Could you, could you open my heart as I read your word? as I speak to others, as I sit in prayer, as I write out what I'm going through, would you help me to see what you're trying to teach me in this? Oh, beloved, could you imagine what your life would be like? Could you imagine how much time, how much more time you would have for yourself as if instead of running to your sin for answers and relief, for your troubled emotions if you ran to Jesus? Could you imagine what your life would be like if instead of suppressing and acting like it doesn't exist, allowing your troubled feelings to bring about the healing that God wants to bring about in your heart? I'm telling you, you'd be different. Your marriage would be different. Your singleness would be different. The way you respond to your kids would be different. Your triggers would change. Everything would be different if, if we really applied what this psalmist is doing. Now, I encourage you as you come back for the rest of this series that you really do wrestle with some of the stuff that we're talking about and write about it and talk to each other about it, even when you're eating in the room next door as we go through this. And as you do, what you're going to discover is that there are gold, diamonds in those hills of difficult emotions. Those, troubled, um, those hills of troubled emotions, there's diamonds, there's gold, there's new opportunities to deepen in Christ. Come along. So here's what I want you to do. For the rest of this week, I only want you to be aware of your troubled emotions. That's it. Just be aware. Do whatever else you always do when those troubled emotions, but I want you at least to acknowledge them. Put them on a note in your phone. Oh, uh, shame over what I did to my sister in, in 86. Whatever. Just put it on your phone or, or write it uh, on a notebook or or just leave a voice, uh, a voice recorder on your phone. And, just, and then at the end of the week, I want you to track those ideas and thoughts. Because there's a pattern, there's a cycle, there's a, there's, a re, there's a script that's being given to you. 
that you don't need to live in any longer. You can live free. So that's what I want you to do this week. This week, I just want you to acknowledge. Now, as we go throughout this the series, we're going to start getting tools and ways and means for us to address these issues that we've been talking about. But I want you to just at first acknowledge them. With that being said, we're reminded as that salvation is found in Christ. That this salvation that Jesus gives us even digs deep down into addressing our difficult or troubled emotions.